Welcome to Grad Chats with Dr. B. I'm your host, Dr. B, and joining me today is our graduate student support GA, John Scott Kelly. I've chatted with John Scott in a couple of previous podcasts. He always has great information to share, so I'm looking forward to our conversation today about burnout. John Scott, thank you for joining me in this episode of Grad Chats with Dr. B. Thank you for having me. It's great to be back. Yes, I am really ready to think about burnout, but before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about you. So it's been several months since you've talked Mm -hmm. with me or chatted with me in my podcast. So tell us a little bit about what you've been doing this academic year. Yeah, so it's been a a busy year. I think the first year was a lot about just getting my name out there and getting the position out there and getting some more awareness about this position. And this year I've been doing things like presentations in different programs. I participated in orientation seminars just like the year before, and then more meetings with individual students. And then we've been doing graduate student appreciation week here recently. And then Mm -hmm. also very recently started developing this imposter phenomenon scale. We're working through that right now. And Mm -hmm. I'd be remiss if I didn't encourage people to go ahead and participate in that if you haven't already. And also thank everyone who has, but there's been a great turnout for that. It's been really exciting to see all those responses. I hope we're going to learn some really interesting things from that. And I also am thrilled to hear that like you're doing more meetings with individual students and Mm -hmm. presentations and all, because, you know, it's like we made a plan and it's happening. And so it's exciting to see that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad that that's uh, going on. What's been happening like for you academically, like in your program, what have you been doing this year? Well, it's been a more, it's been busier with the practicum position, doing more, getting more practical experience. So it's been... Mm -hmm. Whereas the first year was more about lectures and attending class and things like that. It's been a lot more uh, balance and so I've been a lot busier with doing half my time doing lecture stuff in classes and then doing another half of the week in practicum, seeing clients, doing uh, assessment cases. That's what I'm working on right now in my practicum position and just trying to figure out a way to balance everything because I am just much busier than I was the first year. Okay, which sort of nicely leads us to our topic tonight, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, I was thinking about how as we're getting to the close of the academic year, you know, we started off the year super excited. It was a new year. It was a new beginning. But some of that excitement is likely beginning to wane away. Mm -hmm. And so many of us are probably experiencing some degree of burnout. So when you hear the term burnout, let's start there. When you hear that term burnout, what does that mean? To me, it means this this long-term, this chronic stress that just is persistent and then leads to things like physical and emotional exhaustion and these feelings of detachment, things that impede performance across many areas. And in the context of graduate school, it definitely interferes with academic performance. And like you said, here we are a week and a half before finals. And, mm-hmm. and this is the time of year when you're just, this, the weather's getting better. Just sunshine later in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anything besides what I'm doing right now, I'm just looking forward to that and feeling exhausted. So I think this is this is timely. This podcast is timely for this, but it's also something that's very natural, which I'll get into later. But that's what I think about when I think when I hear burnout. So how can you tell when you're on the cusp of burnout? Like if I am experiencing some things and I'm thinking like, is this really burnout or do I just need to take a nap and get some rest? Like, how do you know when you're, you're experiencing burnout and maybe how do you manage it? That's a really good question. And, and importantly, I think to remember with anything, but especially something like burnout is that it varies from person to person. Everybody okay. has their own vulnerabilities, their own weak spots and their own strengths. But in this, in this case, you know, this is a, an unpleasant experience. We're talking about vulnerabilities. 
and everyone has different vulnerabilities. So they're going to experience it in different ways. Like when you have stress for a long period of time, you can kind of think of it as it exposes your weak spot in, in your, in your okay. system. And it's characterized by three main things. And so it, you, this might be one of the areas where you notice it first. Physical and emotional exhaustion is one. And that is, okay. that one's pretty, pretty clear as far as it's being very tired, fatigued, you sleep all night, but you wake up and you're still tired. And emotional exhaustion can be having a hard time focusing, which is really problematic at this time of the semester, or anxiety and de depression and things like that. Might you be tended to have a tendency to cry about things, like sure. being weepy? That would be yeah. me. Like just, you know, something might just kind of, you start crying when in a normal situation, you probably wouldn't be that emotional. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Just it, being overwhelmed. And like, when I think of the word overwhelmed, it's kind of like, the system is overwhelmed. Like there's too much going on that the system can't handle it. And that's kind of what this is too. And so absolutely crying, any kind of emotional experience like that, that can be associated with, with some kind of exhaustion. Just that you're at your limit. You've, you've gone beyond your limit for too right. long. Another aspect of it is this sense of apathy. And that can be like, you just, you're feeling disillusioned with things. Maybe it's something that you really cared about previously. Like mm -hmm. for me, I've always loved to learn. But whenever I'm feeling apathetic or I'm feeling burned out, and that's kind of how it tends to manifest for me, I'm not as I'm not as excited about school. I'm not as excited about school or learning or anything like that. Like I like I tend mm -hmm. to be when I'm right. not stressed out like that. So that's something that I notice within myself. Or it could be like feeling pessimistic, like what's the point of what I'm doing? This doesn't matter. It also can be things feeling more isolated from other people, feeling like you're you're more different. And another aspect of it, the last one, the, the, a big part of it is low self-efficacy. You don't okay. believe in yourself. You don't believe that you're doing a good job. You don't think you're producing things like you used to, like the same level of quality. And this can also be associated with, with like feelings of irritability, things like that. You're frustrated that, you, that you're noticing this difference. So like it, I encourage people to do self-reflection on that and kind of think about how they're feeling in the moment if they, if they think they might be feeling burned out. Think about how you're feeling compared to how you felt in the past, if you notice any differences. And mm -hmm. that self-insight can help guard against future instances of burnout. And you, you talked about managing it. That's, that's one way. That's kind of a that's kind of a base way, I guess. But then you can do things like if, if, if you think you're about it being overwhelmed and like you're you've overreached and you've overextended and you're feeling like you're, like you're in chaos, like things are getting too chaotic. You can mm -hmm. look for sources of stability and a, a few of them, a few really, really important ones are social engagement and okay. another one is self-care. And I know that okay. that word is thrown out a lot and I can get more into what that, what that looks like, but it is really important to take care of yourself. And it, it is, it's just hard to do in graduate school too. You know, as you're talking about the different signs of burnout, I was actually thinking about my two children because I've got one that's a sophomore in college and he is definitely on the burnout scale. Like he is, he's tired. He has lost energy in school. You know, it's just everything that you described. That's him. Um, and then I have a daughter that's in graduate school and I actually visited her last week. And I, you know, and I was watching her kind of overreact to some things. And I'm thinking now I'm reflecting back and going, wow, that's probably end of the semester burnout kind of exhibiting itself in that way. And I know they're both looking forward to finishing out this academic year and trying to find, you know, the energy to do so in a very strong way. And I'm sure a lot of our graduate students at UCA are 
are feeling those same things. You mentioned um, this idea of like social relationships, I believe, and self-care as, as two ways to handle or to manage that burnout. So can you talk a little bit about the social idea and how do you maintain these social relationships that we need when graduate school is demanding so much of you? It's tough. I mean, I, in my experience, the people I talk to, it's one of those things that often gets cast aside in graduate school and you have so many mm-hmm. assignments due and you have, you have so many obligations and responsibilities and it's easy to just focus on that and try to get, take care of what you have to take care of that day individually. And I think mm-hmm. part of it too, and this, this might be speculation, but it seems to me that since social relationships are meaningful too, they, they tend to be meaningful, they tend to matter to people and they're things that people value. Sometimes it's hard to engage in things that, that do feel valuable when you're in graduate school. It's almost like a guilty feeling. like maybe Absolutely. Yeah. Like a guilty uh, pleasure kind of thing. I shouldn't really be doing this. Yeah. And, and, and so then maybe I shouldn't go, maybe if I go hang out with people on Friday night, I, I could be studying. And maybe also I'll just try to stay home and study instead. When you really are missing out on an opportunity for some, some recuperative regeneration or you know, something that will help sustain you in times when it gets more stressful and that's really really important to be able to do that you know I'm thinking again about my children and going well I know my sophomore son is going to be thrilled to hear he should go spend some time with friends (laughs) and get a break away from school but for my daughter in graduate school it's much harder it's much Mm -hmm. harder for her to break away to go do something fun when she knows she's got this paper lingering over her, you know, so graduate students, I think, I don't know, it's just something about being a graduate student. There's so much more on the line. You know, if you make a C that can throw you off in terms of your GPA, because, you know, that's, yeah, that's really hard. This idea of social relationships and that being a part of you know, taking care of yourself. Another, I mean, another important social part of it too. Is, so again, to go back a little bit, Burnout is associated with this feeling of isolation and mm-hmm. you feeling detached. And so, yeah, you, your social relationships can be really helpful with that, but also relationships with faculty members and having these conversations mm-hmm. with faculty members directly can be very helpful. And a lot of times burnout is, it's hard to say it's necessarily caused by this, but a lot of times there's this, it's associated with having poor boundaries or having undesirable boundaries with faculty mm-hmm. members. They, mm-hmm. they ask a lot of us. And they don't really know what what our limit is until we tell them. And it does require having a conversation about boundaries and about things like how to, how to assess for that, like constructive versus destructive stress. But if you can have that trusting reciprocal relationship where you don't feel like you're being taken advantage of by faculty members and have someone there who knows what it's like to be a student and be in on campus, be in the program, Mm -hmm. that can be really helpful too. someone who's really really knows what's what's going on and have some support there. So you mentioned stress, constructive and destructive stress. So let's talk just a second about that. How is burnout different from stress or is it? And then maybe how do you tell the difference between constructive and destructive stress, which this is a topic we've talked about before, but I think yes. it's a nice opportunity to revisit that. Yes. And that's, that's a really good question because sometimes it's hard to tell if you're stressed and it's a natural form of stress that's not necessarily impairing your functioning. It's not impeding your ability to perform academically or professionally. But the important part about burnout, the way to differentiate burnout from stress is by, is the time factor. And it it builds up over time. It's sustained. If you, if you go beyond your limits for a short period of time, that's doable. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes is just required. 
for graduate school, you have maybe you have two big assignments back to back, like Wednesday and Thursday, and you just kind of have to push through. There's no way to get around it, just depending on the circumstances. You can probably pull that off, but if it's consistent over weeks and weeks and weeks, and you don't feel mm -hmm. like you ever get a chance to recuperate, that can really start leading to more of the burnout type of uh, experiences. And as far as constructive versus destructive stress, I think an easy way, well, it's not really easy, but one way to look at it is constructive stress is a type of stress that is associated with growth. Like you feel like you're going towards something like it, mm -hmm. there's meaning attached to the stress. It, it's worth something. You can see that it's valuable. Destructive stress does not facilitate growth. Destructive stress is taking you away from that from your potential self, how you see yourself in the future, that person you want to become. So when it comes to like setting boundaries, that can be a way to see if this is a boundary you're not willing to let someone cross. So you have the conversation, maybe you're, you're talking to yourself about it and you decide that this is not facilitating growth. This is only taking, taking away from other aspects of life that are really important to me. So I'm going to set a boundary here. I have a conversation with, with whoever this is about, about my boundary. And oftentimes that does help. I mean, it, it it's another form of structure. And again, since burnout is mm -hmm. so destabilizing, some stability there. And also a sense of self-efficacy, which kind of counteracts that low self-efficacy that's part of burnout. Tell me if I'm right when I think about it this way. There's a moment where I need to get something done, mm -hmm. right? So there's a looming deadline. At mo there are times where stress would where I would get stressed because of the looming deadline, but then that would actually motivate me to get it done, right? So the stress is like acting as a facilitator for that work. But then there are other times when maybe there's a looming deadline. I get so stressed out that I just kind of shut down and don't work on it. So mm -hmm. that would be like the destructive stress. So there's like good and bad. Is that in line with what you're talking about or am I way off? No, no, you're not way off. And I would just, I would take it even a step further as far as like, so that's, that's one example of having like an external motivator. Mm -hmm. They both had the deadline and certainly the deadline can be important enough to you that you are motivated to, to achieve your goal and, and complete the assignment. And for others, it may be, it may still be valuable, but it may be too much. It may they put too mm -hmm. much weight on it. Another way too, though, is to look at things that are internally motivated versus externally motivated. So both of those are external. Right. Also, there we have these internal motivations that could be associated with it as well. Like in, in the first example, you are externally motivated to a degree by the assignment, but you're also internally motivated, presumably to be a good student, for example. Those are coming together. Whereas in the second example, I mean, this, this could be wrong. This is just, it's just food for thought, external versus internal motivations. It could be that it's so much, there's so much weight put on the outside and not about what you can bring, what you can do that interferes mm -hmm. with your ability to bring your best self because you're just, you're, you could be too, become too focused on the external, that, that deadline. Yeah. And it could be that you had this deadline in this one area of life, but then you have family problems or you have, you have relationship difficulties over here. Right. Or you have financial stressors or, mm -hmm. or you're, you're not physically healthy at the time. And that can also contribute to it. So it can get very complicated in other words. Absolutely. I can see that. Let's back up a little bit because when we first started talking about burnout and how to manage it, you mentioned two things. So you talked, you mentioned social relationships. We talked a little bit about that, went off on a tangent around stress, which is great. But then the second thing you mentioned was about self-care. So let's spend just a few minutes talking about self-care. What are activities or strategies for self-care that might be effective for managing burnout? 
Yeah, so self-care, like I was saying at the beginning, it, it gets thrown out a lot. And it's, it's, it can become pressure. It can feel like pressure to, to some people as well. And like, you can be like, oh, I need, I need to be taking care of myself. Great, this is one more thing I have to add to my to-do list. And I already yeah. have something I need, <laughs> I need to do. So it's like at the outset, it's important to consider what would be helpful for you. So this is another example of how accounting for individual differences is really important. This is a personal experience and it needs to be something that is personally nourishing and that actually does refuels you it helps you flourish as a person and that can that, mm-hmm. that is very from person to person another thing is it needs to be sustainable so this is it, it needs to be something that you can easily maintain across time and integrate into your daily life that those are really important things if you can squeeze mm-hmm. in even if it's five minutes if you can let out some of the pressure every day every other day in some way that can be really helpful across it might even it might may not be like perceptible in the moment uh-huh. but across time it can be it could be so helpful and then one thing that i learned today actually so this is this is timely is that okay. it needs to be variable it needs to be something that it doesn't need to be the same thing every time it needs to move around so basically you can imagine that if you do the same thing every time it may not be as interesting or as helpful you might just get used to it habituate to it so it needs to, it, it is helpful over time to, to switch around. As far as what these activities are, again, they vary, but it's things like even social engagement would fall into this category. It would be things like meditation, mindfulness, spiritual activities, religious and spiritual activities, mm-hmm. and taking care of your body physically. It could, so that could be aerobic exercise, anaerobic exercise, nutrition, things like that. Also leisure time. Again, this is another thing where and I'm certainly guilty of this. Leisure is hard for, for yeah. my experience. And again, there's that feeling of, oh, I could be, you know, in the perfect world, I could be doing another hour of studying instead of watching TV or reading or something like that. But mm-hmm. oftentimes it is something that just, like, it just helps, helps you be, bring your best stuff to the, to the table each time you need to do something. That's the way I like to think about it. What can I do mm-hmm. at the moment? So that I can facilitate success in the future. When I need to bring everything I have to an assignment, how am I going to do that? And I usually I like to think in terms of what's the best long-term strategy. And usually it's taking some time to, to take care of myself and so that I can foster growth and, and again, just bring my best self to the table next time I have to do something. Are there particular strategies that you use for yourself for self-care? If you don't yes. mind me asking. <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind. Um, like it goes back to the internally versus externally motivated thing because, uh-huh. you know, we all have like each program has different demands in counseling psychology. Right. So there are things that are assigned for reading and those aren't as fun as the things right. I want to read. <laughs> so I like to, it, it's, it's the way that, okay, I get to do this thing that I want to do that internal motivation. It doesn't seem as taxing. I actually feel like I get to, fulfill my need for learning, but on my mm-hmm. own terms in a way that I want to do it and a subject that I'm interested in. I don't necessarily pull away and just remove myself from it. Mm-hmm. I still engage in this learning process, but again, it's on my own terms and it doesn't feel like I'm losing as much. It doesn't feel like it's energy depleting. It actually feels like it's revivifying because it's something that's meaningful to me. And that's something that I would encourage people to think about too, is these things that are internally motivated, 
may be related to something that is stressful. Like in, in my example, it's still reading, but if it's internally motivated, it tends to be something that's meaningful and valuable. And that does tend to re-energize us and, and refuel us. And so it's not necessarily as taxing, even though it might be related to it. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about like, okay, what do I do for myself, right? Like, I hope all listeners right now are thinking about reflecting for the moment, like, what do you do to, for yourself to take care of yourself? You know, up until a few years ago, I didn't really do that much for myself. Like, it was mostly work. That may be why I have so much gray hair. I don't know. But in the last three years, <laughs> about, well, yeah, three and a half years ago, I decided to start jazzercising, which I think I've probably mentioned every podcast because it's so, so much fun. But anyway, that is a piece of self-care for me. You know, it is exercise. It's one hour. There's only been one class that I went to over this three-year period where I could not put work away and out of my mind. Mm -hmm. All the other times I've been like that hour of dancing, which, you know, it changes from the day to day, what we're doing. Sometimes it's strength, sometimes it's dancing and all, but all the other times, like, I don't think about work. It doesn't matter what's happening or family or whatever. I'm just there and I'm in the moment and that's really important. And so then it's, it's there for me, supporting me physically, it's supporting me mentally. But the other piece to it is that I have a person that is my accountability person who's also there too. And mm -hmm. so I've got accountability. I'm going to laugh and have a good time. So I've got the social relationship piece that you mentioned earlier. And it's a class, so I schedule it on my calendar. And so that's the thing. Like, it's scheduled, so it's a part of my routine, you know, so I don't miss it. It's like in another appointment. So I think that like, as I reflect on it, I don't know that I started doing this for self-care, but as I look back, I'm thinking, okay, I am taking care of myself. I can't get rid of the gray hair, but that's okay. I like my gray hair, but I can certainly be healthier and take better care of myself moving forward. So I hope that all of our listeners are thinking about how they can take care of themselves and how they can use both self-care as well as their social relationships to manage that burnout. Any insights into what, a, if a student's listening to this today and they go, wow, I have all of the signs of burnout and I'm just really struggling with how to take the next step of, um, of manage, managing this. What resources might be available for that? graduate students. I would encourage them to email me. Let's okay. you know, sit down meeting and they can email me at grad support at uca.edu. And mm -hmm. that's what we do. We, we have, they usually last about 30 minutes, these, these meetings, and we will talk it out, try to develop some strategies. I know that, I mean, I'm feeling it too. So I know that other people right. are feeling this part of the semester. Mm -hmm. Here we are. It's crunch time. And so I'm here to help. I'm still available at this time and I want to help. So please do reach out again. That's grad support at uca.edu. And I, I encourage you to do that. Awesome. John Scott, I want to thank you for spending time with me today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be back. <laughs> yeah, it's always good to see you and chat with you and, and learn a little bit more from you about how to, you know, just support our well-being overall so that we can be academically successful. And so I truly appreciate the insights that you bring to this and particularly about today's topics of burnout and self-care. I also wanna thank our listeners for listening to this episode of Grad Chats with Dr. B. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and listen to future episodes.